guys, before we get started today, wanted to let you know about a new podcast. ESPN is in partnership with Peyton Manning's Omaha Productions to present Soup with Coop. Cooper Manning invites players and coaches from across sports to share stories and laughs while enjoying a bowl of his guest's favorite soup. I don't know what my favorite soup is. Maybe split pea? When the soup is finished, the conversation ends. That's Soup with Coop. Listen wherever you get your podcasts. Welcome back to the Munichheim Show featuring Lenny, the only NFL podcast one of the hosts thinks the preseason should be replaced with the P-season. That's Lenny. That might be the worst intro yet. That's Bill. You heard, I don't know if that was a groan or a laugh in the background. Bill Barnwell. I'm so glad to have a, a true friend on for moments like that. I appre- I feel like you saved that one for me, <laughs> frankly. Like you can't do that one with actual exactly. former NFL players as guests, but random dude on the internet, you can absolutely get a P-season <laughs> joke out there. Bill, it's been a while. Thank you for coming for the final division preview. Um, It is the AFC North. I have been putting it off for, I think, which to be fairly obvious reasons, which is Mm -hmm. an obvious reason, which we don't know who the quarterback of the Cleveland Browns would be. Folks, we still do not know who the quarterback of the Cleveland Browns will be. We are recording this on Sunday, August 14th. Um, We'll hit the Browns. We'll, We'll do the Browns at the very end. And we can talk a little bit about sort of the what we're going to be operating from then. Uh, but it, this is a division that has had a lot of uncertainty as a result. Um, and yeah, I, I figured I'd wait until the very, very, very end to do it. Yes, um, I do not blame you on the slightest. I've just been avoiding talking about it altogether on my podcast. So I will I will do it here with you. Um, certainly, we can get to their situation and plenty of stuff to talk about outside of their quarterback situation yeah. as well. But I think a really... A really interesting division. I, I think actually looking at the ESPN projections for this division, I'm pretty surprised with what ESPN's fo- football power index is split, spinning out. I kind of agree with it. I kind of disagree with it. So I think a lot to get to. What, what does FPI say? So um, off the top of my head, last I saw Vegas had the Bengals at about 10 wins, Ravens at nine and a half, if I remember correctly. Mm-hmm. And then I, I think the Steelers probably, probably around eight, definitely third place or Actually, I don't know what they've got with the Browns because it's obviously kind of wacky. What does FPI have? FPI has the Bengals, I believe, missing the playoffs. <gasps> 45.6% chance of banking it to the postseason. Wow. 18th in the NFL. And let me tell you, Mina, when I brought this up, even though <sighs> I put in my column at ESPN.com very clearly, do not get mad at me. Bengals fans oh. still got mad at me, which is incredibly unfair, frankly. Mm-hmm. Thinking about taking a hard pro bengal stance to uh, go against the nerds this offseason and uh, curry some some uh, some support, I suppose. I feel like you did that with the Mariners a few years ago, and it didn't work out well <laughs> at the time. It worked out perfectly well. It just took a, the arc of justice as long. Um, <laughs> before we get to the Bengals, I actually do want to touch on something quickly that kind of has to do with the Browns, which okay. is probably the biggest news from this weekend of preseason football. Uh, Zach Wilson, quarterback of the Jets, going down with what at the time, and according to several Twitter doctors, looked like a season-ending injury. (laughs) Good reminder not to trust Twitter doctors. Um, But it turns out he's going to miss two to four weeks with a bone bruise and torn meniscus. It was a non-contact injury, which made the bone bruising a little bit confusing, Mm -hmm. she says, as a not a Twitter doctor or any kind of doctor. (laughs) But I was surprised. The meniscus thing makes a little bit more sense. You know, when this happened, Bill, you and I were texting because um, not to immediately go into, you know, it's, it would have been awful for Zach Wilson to miss the season, but mm-hmm. I think we both had the same reaction, which is, 
well, the Jets are probably going to trade for Jimmy Garoppolo. Now, however, mm-hmm. which and that was what I, we're going to talk about that, I think, vis-a-vis the Browns at the end, or at least I, I'm going to bring it up. Um, and you can choose whether or not to respond to my questions, I guess. <laughs> but but with the Jets, you know, two to four weeks is obviously a lot shorter than that, which makes it, I think, a lot less likely they'll do any sort of trade, um, which most importantly makes it all the more likely we are going to get a Joe Flacco revenge game against the Ravens in week one. Oh, wow. Yeah. I didn't realize that oh, Joe yeah. Flacco was against the Ravens week one. That, oh, yeah. That, do you think they would play Joe Flacco ahead of Mike White? Oh, that's a good question. Um, I, I, I want to see more Mike White. Well, my, well it, it's, Mike White was the best. Oh, I don't want Jets fans to get mad at me. He was the best <laughs> Jets quarterback last year. He was, um, unquestionably. And uh, yeah, so uh, I don't know. That's a good question. I saw Joe Flacco was asked about the Ravens revenge thing, but I don't think that necessarily means he's going to play. Um, you know, Mike White played because Joe Flacco was hurt. I don't even remember what kind of injury he had. But... Um, you know, I, I I think as far as the Jets go, look, I'll, I'll just say this. I think you're, this is really not a huge deal. I didn't really see this team, you know, as a playoff contender. I think the worst thing for this team would have been Zach Wilson missing a season of development. In fact, if anything, if I'm the Jets, I play it as safe as possible. Um, there's really no oh, reason sure. to rush him back. For sure. I mean, this is an evaluation season, right? Like they they need to figure out more about, number one, what, Zach Wilson has and number two what they need to add around Zach Wilson obviously losing um I can't think of his name the tackle who's out for the Mackay game Becton, now right. uh, which help matters. we should Mackay also Becton. talk about yeah yes um that was a another Twitter uh Twitter medical like like the collective football Twitter medical thing went from ah he's fine to oh a couple weeks to oh he's out for the entire season yeah. with an avulsion fracture mm. of his kneecap which I'm just gonna wait at this point Zach Wilson <laughs> might not have a leg anymore at this point I'm willing to wait and see what an actual doctor says with a second opinion but obviously a huge injury for them they bring in Dwayne Brown to replace him move George Fant back to right tackle and again like like even if the Jets are not projected to be a playoff team this year, you still want to get 500 more pass attempts from Zach Wilson just so you know, okay, this is what our expectations mm-hmm. should be. This should be how aggressive we should be in going after a meaningful backup quarterback. Like to go after a Teddy Bridgewater, for example, like the Dolphins did this year with Tua Tango Vailoa. Um, I don't know. I mean, Zach Wilson was not good last year, but I think the expectations should be reasonably high for him to improve this year. And there's plenty around him. So I, I think... I don't really fault them. Like, he got hurt scrambling. There's not much they could have done. Um, And hopefully it is a two- to four-week injury. Hopefully it's not something more. But I think the tragic thing would really be if they don't get to find out a lot more about what Zach Wilson's capable of in his second season. Agree. And I think they will, despite the loss of Becton. I mean, to lose him for the season is obviously terrible for Becton himself and for the franchise, Mm -hmm. given that they were hoping he would return to his rookie form. And um, obviously, they, you know, he was a very high draft pick. But the reality is Dwayne Mm -hmm. Brown what you're going to get out of him based on what we've seen in recent seasons. I don't want to say necessarily better than Makai Becton, but certainly competent left tackle play, I would say. And um, why are you laughing? I feel like we got, got the Seahawks offensive line microscope from Mina Kimes there. Listen, uh, yeah, Dwayne the, Brown, Dwayne Brown, George Fant, Seahawks reunion. Um, no, that, that, yeah, it's true. It's good. It's a good tackle duo, uh, especially mm-hmm, given how sure. George Fant has, who I definitely, that I was dead wrong on that. I thought that was a terrible signing and he's been mm-hmm. excellent for them. Me too. Um, so, you know, I, listen, bad, obviously, but also fine. I think you're, if Wilson comes back healthy, it's still a totally decent offensive line especially what they did to shore up the interior as well bringing in Lincoln Tomlinson um mm-hmm. Connor Williams playing center, Williams and recovering 
I always struggle with those two names. It's a, it's Williams, yeah, what you say, right? Basically the Anyways, same. Um, yes. right, because there's two McGovern. So yeah, I I think it's fine. I, um, obviously a relief for Zach Wilson to be fine-ish, and they no longer <laughs> have to trade for Jimmy Garoppolo, who we will talk about at the end of the podcast. But the beginning of this podcast, yes. let's talk about the team you just slandered. The Super Bowl. <laughs> How dare you? Competitors. How dare you? The Cincinnati near bangers. near Super Bowl winners. Almost Super Bowl winners. Crazy. That would have been the ultimate FU nerd Super Bowl champion. Okay. Okay. So here's the thing <laughs> that I find funny about Bengals fans getting mad about the idea that the Bengals, who went to the Super Bowl last year, who were a, a very good team, especially in the postseason last year, would miss the playoffs. Imagine if last year ESPN's Football Power Index had spit out a scenario where a division where three teams made it to the postseason and the fourth team was 4-11-1 made it to the Super Bowl. And yet that is exactly what happened in real life. The Bengals made it to the postseason. These Steelers who were 12-4, and four, the Ravens who were 11-5, and five, and the Browns who were 11-5, and five, all of whom had significant hype heading into 2021, all missed the postseason. So the idea that anything is off the table or that there's any possibility that a team might make or miss the postseason to say that that's not going to happen or that's that's impossible to consider is crazy to me. Football is so dumb and so much can happen over the course of one offseason and 17 games that you cannot rule anything out mm-hmm. heading into a season. They're also in the AFC. They have yes. the hardest schedule in their division. They have one team in the division that is the probably the, the most glaring worst to first contender in recent mm-hmm. memory in the Baltimore Ravens, who we'll talk mm-hmm. about. And a Pittsburgh Steelers team that... Um, you know, is not certainly not favorites to win or even make the playoffs, but can definitely, I would say, is will be in every game. Um, mm-hmm. And then a Browns team with, you know, we'll we'll talk about them at the end. Um, I think there's a, there's a couple ways of looking at Cincinnati, which is, you know, you, you talked about the fact that they kind of heated up down the stretch. Um, there's definitely some oh, good yeah. fortune as it pertains to injuries. More, I would say, most mm-hmm. notably injuries uh, on competition. I don't have those numbers in front mm-hmm. of me, but. Um, they did get to play some injured defenses and things kind of going their way. I will also say, however, this is a team that made adjustments as the season went along that I think the case for them to continue on that trajectory or to improve, which again, doesn't necessarily mean they won't miss the playoffs, uh, would be that, you know, what they figured out, whether it's their defense becoming, you know, extremely agnostic and sort of, um, uh, coach uh, defensive coordinator Lou Anarama doing a terrific job making adjustments as the year mm-hmm. went along. That'll continue. Uh, and then the offense getting less conservative as Joe Burrow kind of aired it out more. That'll continue coupled with an improved offensive line that things are kind of moving in the, that, that they were already moving in the right direction in the second mm-hmm. half of the season. For sure. And I think that's a totally reasonable thing to say. Like, I, like, I think it's not crazy to think the Bengals will make the playoffs and that FPI is going to be wrong. I'm just saying that it's not crazy to imagine yeah. a scenario where that does happen and they miss the playoffs. And I think there's a lot to, to unpack there that's accurate. Um, you know, I think the Chiefs game is the most obvious example, but that is a very veteran-heavy, flexible defense. They're very, they really work well together. They communicate well. They pass stuff off well. They don't blow a lot of coverages. And I think that's, even if they don't have necessarily have a ton of superstars, which I think Jesse Bates is a star. I think Trey Henderson was a star last year. Like, that's that's really tough to beat and really tough to consistently beat over the course of an entire season. Um, but what I will say is that, and this is the nerd in me coming out, of course, this is a team that was 17th 
in DVOA last year. They were 18th on offense. They were 19th in defense. And the thing that changed for them over the course of the final few weeks of the year and into the postseason, they suddenly started taking the ball away. Uh, yeah. First, 13 games of the year, they had turned the ball over 21 times on offense. They had a minus four turnover margin. Final eight games of the year, they only turned the ball over twice in eight games, which is crazy, given how effective they were throwing the football. A plus nine turnover margin, nine takeaways alone in those four postseason games, including two in the Super Bowl against the Rams. So to me, I, I think... On one hand, yes, I do believe that they are a team that got better as the year went along. I do think all that stuff about creativity matters and comes into play. But we know that turnover luck can be kind of random for, mm -hmm. for stretches of time. And they got much better when it came to, uh, you know, especially avoiding giveaways, which is just you're not going to have yeah. long stretches where you turn the ball over once a month. Like you can pull that off for eight weeks and it's great if you do, but that is really hard to sustain no matter how good your offensive personnel is. And the Ravens, have, I'm sorry, the Bengals, of course, have excellent quarterback and wide receiver play. That's a really good point. And yeah, I mean, it, I don't have a record in one score games, but they really hit the bingo on all the regression things that, ah, uh, you know, but like, <laughs> I, like, they're, like, like, but at the same time, like they had that game against the Packers early in the year where McPherson missed like two game winning field goals. They're like the only two field goals he missed all season, it felt like. Yes. And now he's the best kicker in the history of <laughs> how, how did the AFC how do you feel? Get... <sighs> just getting all. How, 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 one how do you feel about a swaggy kicker? I love a swaggy kicker. You do? Really? Okay. Oh, my God. The fact that he went out during the Super Bowl and got in trouble for an end, mm -hmm. project that into mm -hmm. my veins. <laughs> I need a I need a Bengals Ravens game that just comes down to two sixty five yard field goals between him and Tucker. Um, but Justin Tucker is not swaggy though; he's just good. I saw him at the ESPYS, like a... and it was the only athlete oh. I was like too starstruck to go up to. <laughs> I was like, oh, I just want to say hi to him, and he was obviously like nobody was talking. <laughs> I was oh. Like, oh my god! All I want to do is introduce myself to Justin Tucker and get a photo. Um, okay. So, yeah, so so when you when you have kind of those factors weighing in and, of course, the, mm -hmm. the schedule and all that, the counter is like, okay, what did you do to get better, right? And, well, I talked about some yep. of the adjustments and development, but obviously this team also did make mm -hmm. some changes, So most notably yes. with the offensive line. So we just, let's start on offense. Mm -hmm. um, this was a, a, a super frustrating offense to watch for the first yes. half of the season. So weeks 1 through mm -hmm. 10, they're 20th in EPA per play. Weeks 12 through 18, that jumped up to 9th. Now, uh, mm -hmm. again, to what we said, some of that was bolstered by playing um, the Ravens practice squad. <laughs> and, but but that, that, what, what, what did what did Mike Barnett say? They, they don't get corners from DoorDash. I oh feel like God. that was uh, where it was. <laughs> but 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 that's that's Ed. This is undoubtedly one of the best, if not the best, one, two, three wide receiver groups in the NFL. Number one. Number one in the ESPN uh, offensive playmakers. I don't think I can say weapons anymore. Playmaker is that, is that rankings. Your, is that your rankings? That is by, by Bill Barton. Well, <laughs> number one uh, <laughs> running back, wide receiver, and tight ESPN ends. Rankings. You said the ESPN rankings. Um, they are fantastic. It sounds better. It sounds better if it's not for me. I love frankly. this group of <laughs> wide receivers. I love them yeah. so much. I love the way they fit They're together. Great. T. Higgins, I think, is a legit number one. He is like the total. Sure. He's such an analytics darling, like an advanced metrics darling too. Whenever you pull mm -hmm. up all the crazy next gen stats, like catch rate above expectation, so he always ranks like in, your, mm -hmm. in the top three or four in those. Um, he is fantastic. Mm -hmm. They presented a horrible, horrible problem for defenses. I suspect yes. that, um, and you did see, by the way, if, if you pull up Joe Burrow's numbers, like a lot of 
really great quarterbacks. His performance dipped a little bit against those two high looks last year. I suspect mm-hmm. they're going to get even more of them this year. Um, but this is a team that is very unafraid, sometimes annoyingly so, of running the ball. Um, however, mm-hmm. I think it's a team that is good at running the ball. Um, and I think especially with the reinforcements on the offensive line, Ted Karras at center, Alex Kappa at guard, Lyle Collins, they're going to be even better at that. Um, so I feel like, they, you know, Bill, they've got that sort of change up depending on the types of looks defense has given them, give them, pardon me, because of their personnel and this improved line. Yes, I agree with you. But here is the point I've been waiting to make about the Bengals <laughs> all offseason. And I saved it for the Minute Time Show featuring Lenny. Okay. Exclusive. Who is the mixtape DJ that would just like like say like exclusive over uh, whatever they're working <laughs> I need on? a drop. I feel like we need I DJ need drama. Drop. Yeah, yes. for you. Any t- okay. I'm ready. Uh, I'm, I'm, I've laid out. I've laid out. <laughs> exclusive. <laughs> the Bengals. Offensive line oh, is yeah. better than it was a year ago. Yes. But, but is it good? Like, like, yes. They are better, but think about the guys they have. Jonah Williams last year, not very good at left tackle. Jackson Carmen, their second-round pick from last year, was not good enough to play a year ago when they had maybe the worst guards in football. Ted Karras at center uh, had a year with the Dolphins. He is one of those guys where he's like a marginal starter who, when those guys tend to leave the Patriots, they tend to struggle <laughs> elsewhere. Alex Kappa was the, I think most people would say, the worst player on a very good Bucks offensive line, surrounded by two all-pro caliber talents through the entirety of his time there. And Lyle Collins was not his old self with the Cowboys last year after returning from hip surgery and a PED suspension. Now, I just want to point out one of the... Something that made me genuinely sad or maybe genuinely a little emotional was during the Bengals' first preseason game, Jackson Carmen was struggling and Quentin Spain, the guard who started for them last year, literally tweeted out a photo of the Cincinnati skyline during the second half of the game, which just really hit me. Wow. Um, okay. I will not slander Ted Karras because when I, when I infamously went after the Miami offensive line, he was asked about mm. it and said it hurt his feelings because he is a fan of mine. Oh. <laughs> I know that's a flex. I, it's I'm not, it's not even a humble brag. It's a flex, but it also it worked, folks. NFL players, sure, if you listen to this podcast, all you have to say is that it hurts your feelings, and I will never <laughs> criticize you again. Um, I think you, what you have at minimum here is is like a B, a bunch of Bs, right? But after watching the right side of that offensive line, Bs are enough. And sure. Also, like, I think, yeah, no, no, no I, I, I hear you. I think also, you know, you are talking about a quarterback in Joe Burrow for everything that he is good at, and he is really good at a lot of things. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, just, just, just look at me as, as the Bengals supporter on this podcast. I'm going to actually say some of those things. Um, you know, just the accuracy, the gutsiness, the yep. willingness to throw the mm-hmm. ball deep and have a high completion percentage while doing so, which is obviously a very good comp- co- combination. The CPOEs off the charts. Um, the pocket movement. Mm-hmm. I think you saw as the season along, went along, by the way, you know, I, I alluded to the fact that they were, they, he was passing more. He was also more willing to scramble and use his legs. He does mm-hmm. take unnecessary sacks. So even with an yes. improved offensive line, I think perhaps more important than that is going to be Joe Burrow improving himself. Like that would be, that's the one area I think as the Bengals fans that you want to see him take less sacks. You know, the, the Titans game where he, was it nine sacks? It was something crazy. Oh God. 
Um, some of that was not his fault, but some of it definitely Some of it was. was. So it was like an interesting mix, right? Because you, when you're watching them all, you're like, okay, which ones of these are his fault? Which ones are the line's fault? Um, and which are, you, you'd honestly blame on scheme and whatever, and or just great a great job of the Titans pass rush. And it was a mix. And I think that's the thing with Joe Burrow is like, for, for him to really be, I mean, he's already, I think most people have him in the top five right now. Mm-hmm. however you feel about that i think to be unquestionably mm-hmm. one of the best quarterbacks in the nfl that is the one area at which he has to improve right like that's that's a good problem to have and it can be it can be a really damaging problem that was probably carson wentz's biggest obvious weakness after his second season and it turned out to be a career ruining weakness in a lot of ways for carson wentz i don't yeah. think that's what's going to happen with joe burrow but it is something that if that's your biggest problem typically you're doing fine like we talked about zach wilson um, earlier like that's Zach Wilson has that problem and like six other things he has to fix before even worrying about taking too many sacks so uh, I I feel like Joe Burrow's in a very solid place uh, the the comparison I want to make when I talk about this line and talk about what it means for the Bengals offense is sort of like the Patriots wide receivers a year ago or receivers a year ago where they added all these pieces and you're like oh wow this is great look we have Hunter Henry and Nelson Aguilar and Kendrick Bourne now and some of those guys were even good last year but we were still sitting here this offseason thinking they got to have receivers. Yeah. Their receivers aren't good enough. And that's the thing with the Bengals is that I feel like the job's not done. I mean, I I, I think that mm. they're going to be better and better is probably is, is definitely something they needed to do this offseason. But I do think that we're going to be sitting here next year saying, OK, they need to add a guard. or They need to add a right tackle. Like they need to do something else because, um, you know, I think I think they're better enough to keep Joe Burrow upright, but I think for Joe Burrow to hit that sort of MVP level he's certainly capable of, I think they need to invest more Mm. up front. You alluded to the defense, but the defense finished 24th in past DVOA, 13th in run DVOA, but I imagine if that was weighted, it's, I don't have that in front of me, but it's probably improved as the year went along. Very well coached group, got a ton out of free agent signings, which is very unusual, by the way, to bring in all those vets and have them play at a pretty high level. Um, Largely running it back. Um, You know, they did draft Daxton Hill, who I think sort of Jesse Bates insurance. I figure they'll probably use him in dime looks a fair amount, very like versatile safety Mm -hmm. play nickel as well. Um, They drafted Cam Taylor Britt uh, cornerback. And then (laughs) Cam Cam Taylor Britt sounds like he would be a British actor. I was just thinking that on like uh, maybe a Bridgerton or maybe a Cam Taylor uh, Britt, maybe a period drama. Yeah, 100%. <laughs> or maybe Cam Taylor Britt is like, I don't know, like a Disney star. Like, you know, like Ooh, that's true. Cam Taylor like, Britt, like Jonathan Taylor like, I don't. I don't know. I don't know if this person is like kind of famous or the most famous person in the world to anyone under 18. And I will never know. <laughs> um, and then you, yeah, you, so you got like young players, Joe Osai up front. You know, it, there's yeah. not a lot of, well, that, I think that's my biggest criticism of the defense. I was about to say about the pass rush, but I actually think this is probably true across the board. Not a lot of depth at most of these positions. Yeah. Um, you it know, makes like sense. It, when you're, when you're yeah. adding guys in free agency, like that's, that's what's going to happen. What like you're adding, you're adding to find starters and they have done an incredible job of finding starters, but you can sign free agent starters and sign free agent backups as well. Um, Larry Gunjobi's gone. Yeah, in the great the to a competitor who we will talk about shortly. Um, but they did get really, really good play from the from BJ and DJ, mm-hmm. <laughs> another Disney show uh, down the stretch. I, I think this defense, again, kind of to what I said at the beginning, like I think another year together, if healthy, you're probably going to see them play at a not too dissimilar level from what you saw at the end of last year. 
Uh, but, you know, if one of them goes down, I think that, it, to your point, it is a pretty thin group. So that would be my concern. But I don't know, man. Like, they really got a lot. I mean, Luana Roma, he, he got a lot. Like, Jadobia Wuzier, for example. Mm-hmm. Um, Cowboys fans had to be sick watching him last season. Just putting for together sure. a terrific – I mean, he was banged up in Dallas. But Hendrickson was good in New Orleans. But I don't think – People thought, well, I get to play with Cam Jordan on that incredible defensive line. He was the dude on this team. Yeah, I mean, so I was so it, wrong about him last year. Were you wrong? Oh, I was right about him. Rare yes. Mina W. Um, <laughs> <laughs> um, also, like everybody shits on Eli Apple. He's not that bad. Oh boy, that's something you want to own, Mina. I mean, you want that on tape. Eli Apple, he's not that bad. You can have that one that's if a, you want. He's a, fine. I, that is a mild take. I said he's not that bad. Did did Eli Apple talk about you on Twitter and say that he was very upset that you were mean? Did his mom say that you were mean on Twitter? I just because feel like the slander has gone too far. Yeah, he's he's also like he plays the heel though. Like yes. when you're tweeting at New Orleans about how the food isn't good, like you sort of know what you're doing. You know you're wrong. That's fine. Like I think there should be more heels in the NFL. But like Eli Apple is a perfectly fine number three, maybe number four cornerback. Ideally, I will say. Not like if you watch the Bengals defense play, teams are not worried about going after Eli Apple. There's a reason that they were lining up Cooper Cup yeah. against him snap after snap on that final series in the Super Bowl. Well, CTB will be starting soon enough. <laughs> <laughs> it's my new nickname for Cam Taylor Bird. Um, yeah, I mean, like, they brought him back on like a one year deal, right? So, yep. you know, um, and assuming Jesse Bates sticks around, I, I don't, hope so. I, yeah, I'm sure. He'll play. I don't know. I mean, like, he ha- has he shown up for camp yet? I thought it was a hold-in. Right. I, I, no, he, he doesn't have a contract yet, does he? I don't think so, no. So he does not need to show up to camp. So he could he could sit out if but, he wanted to for a well, chunk of the season. My feeling with this team is the, even with all of the hesitations in terms of opponent and maybe this offensive mm-hmm. line isn't great as good as it, I just think the combination of quarterbacks to kind of put a pin on it quarterback and skill players is so special potentially that if you get average offense defensive play which I think is definitely feasible mm-hmm. so let's say they finish yep. 15th in efficiency yep I, I think that they are a playoff team I mean they could be what one of the top three offenses in football and like nobody would even bat an eye. Yes. Like that's, that's a legit, like it's not like there are teams where if every single thing possibly went right, they could be a top three offense. The Bengals could be a top three offense. And I don't think anybody would even consider it to be outlandish or a significantly better season than people expected. So I think the having that kind of ceiling is something that, you know, the Steelers don't have, the Browns don't have the Ravens. I guess they do technically, but I would feel more optimistic about the Bengals reaching that than the Ravens. But the other thing I would say, and this is the last thing I'm going to say about the the, the, the Bengals, that's going to be slanderous. Just want to point out, last year, Joe Burrow was healthy for the entire season, which that was not the case the year before. Yeah. Last year, Baker Mayfield was hurt all season. Ben Roethlisberger has been hurt for, I think, pretty much the last three years, whether he's been playing or not. And Lamar Jackson got hurt in the second half of the year, and the Ravens lost their final, I think, six games of the season. So... That's not going to happen again. Like, it'd be great if you get 
every other team in your division to have compromised or injured quarterbacks, but that is a big ask. So to me, I think I think the Bengals could be better this year than they were last year and still not have maybe the same results we saw a year ago. And we should also note, we're not just talking about the division. We are talking about the hellfire that is the AFC. <laughs> That's true. That's another point. Is that they could be better than they were last year and still be like the yes. sixth seed in not the that, AFC. Not that many spots available to these teams. Um, I was... We we I did uh, I went on around the NFL and we were doing we were looking at lines we were drafting teams based on their lines over unders mm-hmm. and I think like all AFC West teams three of them had over ten wins according to DraftKings which is just ridiculous and probably I mean possible but uh whew, buddy um, I mean would would the Raiders be the best team in any of the division and they're probably like they're almost not by, the by, North. by far the worst not this one. Not this one, no. But the AFC South? Yeah. The the NFC East, maybe? The NFC East, uh, I don't know. The Eagles have such a better roster. I mean. Yeah, I guess. But the South? The South, the South, I could see the South, yeah. Yeah, I could see the South. It's a real bummer. They, sh- they should apply to move. Like Las Vegas is technically the South, even though it's really not the South. But I feel like if you go to Las Vegas, and I've been to Las Vegas plenty of times, live there, it, it is kind of like the South and the, the West. There should be um, a transfer portal for NFL teams. <laughs> now we're talking. This is the content I want to get to on this show. I don't want to talk about about DVOA. I want to talk about the transfer portal the for NFL teams. Transfer. And- okay, and you get to enter the transfer portal if you if you make the if you don't make the playoffs with a winning record you get to enter the transfer oh i love that love that idea or okay. if you finish like top five and adjusted games lost maybe or something i don't know just being maybe a combination of things like you have a winning record you finish uh top five and adjusted games lost and by that metric the baltimore ravens would be in the transfer portal folks um because this was not only the most like the segue, most injured team in football last year, according to Football Outsiders AGL metric, which you can find on their website. They were the most injured team in like twenty years, um, and that is, of course, I think the where where the case for them going for worst to first begins. It also uh, has to do with the fact that they get that e- the easiest record in the division because of that record. Um, that they are getting a lot of guys back from injury. That they've made some key additions on both sides of the football. Let's start with the offense, mm-hmm. though, because while this is an offense... Oh, oh sorry. Did I miss Sorry, something? I just want to point out, adjusted games lost, great metric. Whoever came up with it should be pretty much knighted for genius uh, <laughs> by the Ravens. Don't want to say who it was, but really think just great work there. A lot, a lot, a lot, of, a lot of lonely mm-hmm. Friday and Saturday nights put in researching injury data from like 15 years ago in that wow. database. Don't want to bring it up. but Who could have yeah. come up with that? Maybe Aaron Schatz. It was Aaron, always Aaron Schatz. Aaron Schatz. He's a very hard worker. <laughs> Um, yeah, let's talk about the offense. Okay. I've gone back and forth on this. Mm-hmm. Mm, I'm, a, as you know, a Ravens enthusiast. <laughs> I th- So the, clearly priority here was the offensive line. You're Ron Stanley yeah. back from injury. Uh, you draft Tyler Linderbaum, center, who was dinged up, but I think they're saying it's going to be fine for the regular season. Uh, you signed Morgan Moses competent right tackle which was a massive problem for them last year yes uh the Villanueva experiment experiment did not work out uh Zeitler was fine and then I think left guard is the question mark you've got the two bends powers 
Cleveland, Tyree Phillips there as well. You've actually got some depth. By the way, sorry, tangent. Did you see Daniel Falele, Falele in the preseason? Just in general? No, just in, in general. Just in general in the preseason. Standing next I have to other not- NFL players. <laughs> Holy sh- He's He's, I think, listed at 380. He is enormous just just for karma purposes i think the ravens have to give him one carry this year uh if, if the ravens okay ravens tap 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 if you give daniel falele falele i gotta learn how to say his name being a jerk i believe it is falele yes falele if you're listening ravens they are if you give greg roman if you give him one carry at the goal line I was gonna say I would get a rave tattoo, but I don't want to put that on the record. I will. Un- I will henna, henna tattoo. Throw my support behind you, not just this year, forever. You will forever be my AFC team. Just one carry. All he has I'm, to do is just fall forward. I'm just picturing a fourth and one where it's Lamar and Daniel Falele at the mesh point, and the ball is just lost somewhere in Daniel Falele's like, body. I was gonna say. Or it's like an eclipse passes over. <laughs> if he falls on a dude, he might. There might be serious damage. I don't believe that's why they drafted him. Is just to fall on people. Or <laughs> he's just. I'm just picturing them putting him on defense, just chasing after Joe Burrow and just I don't have a lot screaming. Of, this is against the rules. I do have a lot of regrets. That's not true. But one of my greatest regrets is not getting my photo with him at the combine. It was offered to me. I had to wake up at 7 a.m. I said no. <laughs> That's exactly what happened. PR person contact you and just (laughs) say no. Here's what happened. I tweeted, "I gotta find my, I gotta find Daniel Falele at the combine and do my photo with him." Someone is part of the International Pathways program, which I think he came Mm -hmm. through, or maybe it was NFL International. Was like, "Hey, if you come at 7 a.m. to this spot," and I was like, "Ooh." (laughs) (laughs) Actually. Seven, I think I was like does not exist at the combine. I think I was like, I'll do whatever it takes to take my photo with him. Well, it turns out <laughs> narrator's voice, she would not do whatever it takes. Okay. Sorry. So very obvious um push to improve the offensive line, which was a total sure. total tire fire last season. Um not a serious push to improve the wide receiver core. Uh mm-hmm. they did draft a couple of tight ends, Isaiah Likely and Charlie Collier. Isaiah Likely, uh, I did mm-hmm. no did did look pretty fun in the preseason, by the Fo- way. But- football, big football nerd credentials for Isaiah Likely coming out of, I think, Coastal Carolina, which is like, like that is like one of the, if, if you're trading playbooks on the internet or you're trading like all 22 of college on the internet, Coastal Carolina is like real primo stuff. Go so Chanticleers. People, big, wow, pulling that out off the dome, impressive. <laughs> I, 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 I mean, obviously the receivers will get to, but just in terms of the offensive line, I think, like on paper, they're better, but I think there's so many questions about whether they're actually going to play better on a week to week basis. And I think the tough part is we just don't know with Ronnie Stanley, right? Yeah. I mean, it's been he he came back briefly last year, I believe, with the ankle, and he just has not been able to really function as an NFL player since suffering a serious ankle injury like one week after he signed his extension in 2020. And this is a guy who was a legit like top three, top four best left tackle in football in 2019. So there's like he could be great he could be totally out for the entire season again like like i don't think we have any idea what to expect and even though they added pieces here and there like if they have to turn to Jawan james who by the way hasn't played since 2019 himself or morgan moses at left tackle that is a serious problem 
for this Ravens team. So I, I think like there's a scenario where it works out great, but there's also a scenario where they're equally as bad as they were a year ago. Would it be, isn't Patrick McCarry their swing tackle? So potentially he could slide. He outside. plays I mean, everywhere. Like I he say, that, right I say that, like year. it's fine. Patrick McCarry is going to play left tackle. Um, he was good at right tackle last year, but yeah. I think left tackle is a big, okay. big ask. I, I, and and maybe maybe they would have gone for Dwayne Brown if Dwayne Brown hadn't just signed with the Jets. I think that just as we talk about the Ravens' offense right now and whether or not they'll be better, it's worth talking about why yep. they were bad. Um, because I think you can diagnose. Oh, sure. There's there's so many possible ways to look at this, and I think it matters a lot towards you know trying to project whether or not uh, this offense will get back on track this season. An offense that finished 16th in pass DVA, 11th in rushing, mm-hmm. not the end of the world. Major struggles. However, a lot of that you know they, they were very very good at the beginning of the season, and then just totally went off the rails. So I'm going to throw out a bunch of different reasons, and then tell me what you think it is. One is. Um, Injuries, you know, you had Rashad Bateman was injured at the beginning of the season, who was supposed to be, he was, he was. their, you know, first round rookie receiver. He was supposed to be this X receiver, nice compliment with Marquise Brown. Um, you lose Nick Boyle, who's their blocking tight end, who's actually sure. extremely important in this offense. Um, yes. The entire running backs room, I've, I'm just going <laughs> to say that. Uh, and then the offensive line. So injuries, massive, 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 massive. And I think the types of injuries that they faced. Um, the other is, you know, Lamar Jackson himself struggling, I would say, more out of empty and versus the blitz, most notably. A um, couple of things, and you can talk about whether how much of that is on Lamar. Scheme, uh, the ongoing frustrations with the Greg Roman passing offense or lack thereof. Um, the lack of weapons who can win outside when defenses play that way and, you know, force the Ravens to throw outside. So I'm just throwing stuff out. What is sticking with you? And what do you think is the biggest problem and whether it can be fixed? Okay, I'm looking at my notes here. It, and sorry, I'm looking closely. It says, defense figure out Lamar. That's all I have here <laughs> for with the Ravens. What happened? Is that, do we need to, like, is there more that we're supposed to say? I thought that was what we were Bill, supposed to get quote, to here. Quote, Barnwell weighing in. Um. <laughs> no, I mean, like, like. I, I think all the, all the points you brought up, like there's not one simple argument. It's not like, oh, if you fix this one magical thing, the Ravens are going to be fine on offense. Like it's it's so many different things. And I think the one, a couple of things that come to mind for me. Number one is, is the the move towards a more balanced offense, which is sounds great on paper, probably not the best thing for the Ravens. There, uh, our friend Ben Baldwin has the uh, the early down pass rates for teams for the Ravens. In 2019, during the MVP season for Lamar, they were 32nd. This is adjusted for, uh, this is when games are within 14 points, I believe, or within a certain number, or sorry, 20% win expectancy. So it's not talking about when they're getting blown out and teams have to run or throw. 32nd in neutral early down pass rate in 2019, 30th in 2020, as you might expect for Lamar Jackson run offense, that is very good running the football, very run heavy approach. 2021, they were 13th in the NFL in that same category before Jackson went down injured. And I can understand why they tried. I mean, obviously passing is more efficient than running the football. It's going to protect your quarterback, who I think Lamar Jackson is a genius when it comes to uh, avoiding big hits, but you're still going to take hits if you're running the football. Um, and they had added pieces. They added Rashad Bateman. They had Marquise Brown last year. They had Mark Andrews. They had on paper this sort of receivers that would make you think, okay, we can throw the ball more. But I don't think the offense was better for that balance. And I think the moves you saw from them this offseason 
are incli- make me inclined to believe that they are going to run the ball more. Where they traded Marquise Brown and didn't go after a replacement. They they use picks on Isaiah Likely and Charlie Kolar. Um, they bring Boyle back after uh, really he's missed two, kind of a little more than a season. Um, off and on with with recovering from a serious injury, they use a first round pick on Linderbaum on the interior. They signed Morgan Moses or sorry, yeah, Morgan Moses to a contract, so they've made investments in places that would make you think they are going to run the ball more and, and be a more focused run heavy team, even if they're not thirtieth or thirty second. Like, could they be twenty fourth or twenty fifth and probably be better for it? Yeah. So I, I think, you know, we can get into Lamar and have a nuanced conversation about Lamar, but I think it would be naive to pretend that Lamar Jackson, that the the best version of this offense is not one that is a run-heavy approach that Lamar Jackson is contributing to. It doesn't say that Lamar Jackson can't pass, so he's not a good passer if that's the case. It's just he is a special runner, yeah. and there is real value in, in having that be a part of your offense. He's a special runner, and then the impact he has on the rest of the run game makes everything else special. For sure. And, and like, the pass so- game, too. And the past game, too. You know, I was um, looking up the Ravens' EPA per play running into loaded boxes, which obviously they face mm-hmm. most of our loaded boxes in the NFL. And For I sure. was almost I, – I didn't think it was going to be terrible. But so in 19, 2019, it's third in EPA per play. 2020, it yep. drops to eighth. Last year, it was still fourth, <laughs> even with all of those injuries on the offensive line, all of those injuries in the running back room. That is because Lamar Jackson is a quarterback of this football team. It, it, mm-hmm. it is even with those injuries, this is still an unstoppable machine on the ground. Um, and, that, you know, if those guys are healthy and if the offensive line is better, um, one, there's just no reason to think that they're not going to return to form. It's funny, like the, the whole Lamar Jackson thing, figure out thing. I know we kind of make jokes about it, but the, the, the truth is, that to me, more than you, you talk about the passing game, that number mm-hmm. to me is the perfect piece of evidence for the fact that it's impossible to figure out this quarterback because of his mm-hmm. special abilities, right? Like it doesn't matter. Like obviously you can't completely like go crazy trying to stop the round selling out, but even if you sell out a bit, it does not matter. It doesn't matter. Um, so if they can just get a little bit more out of the passing game this year, I think this offense should get back on track. Yeah, I would just say the way you're saying magic abilities makes it sound like he's like, you know, a Pokemon or a Magic the Gathering card. He, he, he's just so good. Which is not 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 unwarranted. He is. And like last year was not his best season, but I'm I'm still not worried about Lamar Jackson being a real issue. And by the way, I also we talked about the injuries in other places and you, you know, alluded to the running back room basically being a horror show. Like I'm I'm Mr. Hey, running backs are all the same. You could just plug anyone in. But like, is it crazy to think that J.K. Dobbins, who averaged six yards a carry as a rookie, is going to be better than the 2015 fantasy football all-stars they ran out at running back last year in Devontae <laughs> Freeman, Latavius Murray, Murray. And, and Le'Veon Bell? Le'Veon like, Bell. that's that's not crazy uh, at all. I think that they're going to be more efficient running the football because they're going to have the ball in, in the hands of better players or, or certainly more explosive players than they had a year ago. The thing I'd like to see about Lamar if we move to the defense is just confidence in someone not named Mark Andrews. And so I think, you know, it does. I know there's a lot of despairing. If, by the way, I think Tylen Wallace got hurt in the preseason game. James Prochet is banged up. This is still a very thin group that could really use help. But if Rashad Bateman can take a leap forward and sort of be the guy we thought he could be when they drafted him and he showed at times at the end of last season, I think just having 
two pass catchers that he trusts will go a really long way because you really don't I understand like because the way this offense is you're never going to have like a ton of pass catchers on the field Mm -hmm. Um, but if there are just two I think that'll go a really long way because so much time so so many times watching him last year Bill he just looked like he didn't trust anybody oh wait hold on I forgot about this can we talk about when I was literally on the flight to my wedding and I tweeted that the Chiefs might be interested in Marquise Brown and Lamar Jackson himself yelled at me on Twitter for suggesting that the Ravens might trade Marquise Brown and you you went along with it and I think you said Bill Barnwell with like 24 L's at the end did I I and then they traded him two weeks later Uh, are you sure I just didn't tweet get him? Because that feels like more <laughs> something I would say. I, I think Stephen Ruiz, uh, our friend Stephen Ruiz tweeted get him Lamar. And you you decided to just pile on. <laughs> um, it's funny because I slander. I, I often slander Hollywood Brown on this podcast. Um, okay. We're, this is taking a while. Defense. Um, so the aforementioned Bad News Bears secondary um it's, yeah was a huge, yeah. huge 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 problem um so you get peters back humphrey back mark spears marlon humphrey um and then you uh draft kyle hamilton you sign marcus williams so this is mm. you know they should be a lot better obviously um any of those players could get hurt again they're coming back from injury peters coming up pretty, sure. you know, pretty serious injury but that's that's massive i think the biggest question that most people have with this like with the offense, it's the wide receiver group. I think with this defense, it's the pass rush, um, which, you know, it remains a pretty valid concern. Legit. Yeah, for sure. And I mean, I think in the past, there was that feeling of, ah, they'll just blitz a lot and, mm-hmm. and Don Martindale will just scheme up stuff. And now Don Martindale is gone. It's Mike McDonald coming back to take over as their DC. So I think there's questions about what that defense is even going to look like on a week-to-week basis. How much are they going to blitz? Are they going to be the same kind of, you know, very attacking, very aggressive defense that we've seen from them for seemingly my entire life? Like, I I mean, I wrote about this in my column last year. They have had a top 10 defense 20 times in the 22 years they have been a franchise before 2022. They were 28th in DVOA last year. Like, just, just on their sheer ability to draft and develop players... I just don't buy they're going to be this bad again. And the injuries are a clear reason. They were the fifth worst tackling team in the league by broken tackle rate, according to the Football Outsiders, which, by the way, was very clear on paper. Guys like Even guys like Patrick Queen, who were still sticking around and playing all year, were not tackling well. I just think they're going to be a much, uh, just a, a much better looking team on tape week after week. And, you know, it's not out of the question that they're a top 10 defense again, because on paper, they have that kind of talent if guys stay healthy. I'm curious to just see kind of what this defense looks like under Mike sure. McDonald too. You know, I mean, gosh, <laughs> by the end of the season, even Wayne couldn't blitz because it was so bad back there. But, um, you know, by all accounts, this is a defense that's going to be very multiple. That's why you draft Kyle Hamilton to give you some of those versatile looks with six mm-hmm. DBs on the field. Um, they're probably going to blitz less. You're going to see more simulated pressures. So I'll be curious to see what that does for – these linebackers, the linebacker room has been kind of an issue. They did, you know, Josh mm-hmm. Bynes, Josh Bynes, the veteran, ended up being the best linebacker, which I think wasn't ideal yeah. for this team. Um, and yeah, whether you can get more, you know, Adafi Oa, he flashed as a rookie, but I think you want more mm-hmm. out of him. I really like Travis Jones, another gigantic human, by the way, like Falele, that the Yukon defensive mm-hmm. tackle. I think this uh, D line should be really good. I mean, Clay's Campbell continues to play at a super high level. We got mm-hmm. Michael Pierce in there. Justin Matabike, Buike, Buike, Justin Matabike, 
Puike, permanently on the breakout list of every NFL writer every year. <laughs> um, but th- it's a good group. I don't know. I, I, I'm, I'm, I, I'm curious to just kind of see how it all comes together. Um, and they're obviously going to be better than last season. So I don't have a ton of concerns on that front. Yeah, I mean, they're going from like a bottom five secondary to a top five secondary on paper. And that's, at, you know, with adding Marcus Williams, who has been very good and, by the way, very healthy yeah. for his Saints career, which might be a plus after what happened last year. And I mean, I, I think there's a real X factor with, with Kyle Hamilton. Like, is he going to be a guy who plays 200 snaps? Is he going to play 600 mm-hmm. snaps? Is he going to be a guy they can trust from day one to be a meaningful part of this defense? Can he be like, who am I thinking of who would be like a good comparison for Kyle Hamilton, where he made an impact from day one, uh, Antoine Winfield, yeah, with the Bucks, like yeah. where it was like, oh wow, like they leveled up by adding this guy. Where maybe he was going to be a guy who maybe featured in here and there, but he was such a valuable part of that defense from day one during his rookie season. Like if Kyle Hamilton can have that sort of impact, they can be a top two yeah. secondary or even the best secondary in football, and that's going to help. You know, it's going to make things a lot easier as they sort of figure out what their pass rush looks like and if uh, Adafi Owe can be their guy up front. And having two other good safeties and two stud yeah. corners will make it easier for them to put him in good spots. I know Absolutely. he's had kind of an up and down summer, but um, you know he's not Absolutely. going to be asked to do too much too soon. So yeah, yeah, I'm I'm bullish on the Ravens. I'm excited to watch them this year. Um, I think I've got them winning the division after I and I just lost all my Bengals credibility. <laughs> Fifteen minutes of, of Bengals fandom before. You got angry tweets. I, I think the, the Ravens are pretty comfortably the best team in the AFC North. Ooh. All right. After is the that, break. Is that that crazy? Comfortably? I think the Bengals offense is too good for me to say comfortably. Okay. Potentially. But I think they'll be good. And like I said, I got them winning, but I, I, I it's close for me. All right. After the break, we'll talk about the two other teams in this division. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. And I have to say, speaking from experience, recently, having tried it for the first time in Detroit, it is absolutely delicious. Right now, you can get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Go to JetsPizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. We all carry around different stressors. I do, you do, we all do. Big, small. And when we keep them bottled up, as I sometimes have had happen in the past, it can start to affect us negatively. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. It's helpful for learning positive coping skills and how to set boundaries. It empowers you to be the best version of yourself. It isn't just for those who have experienced major trauma. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com slash Mina Show today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash Mina Show, M-I-N-A-S-H-O-W. Wow! 
So Bill, me being a committed, prepared, hardworking podcaster, I did wake up early to watch the Steelers Seahawks preseason game. Oh wow! Okay. After the Seahawks tweeted at me and asked if I was watching, and I was working. That that was maybe the saddest tweet of 2022. <laughs> if I'm being honest with you, I did. People are mad. I didn't. I didn't think I was being sassy. I thought I was just having fun with them. But some people got mad at me. I don't know. I I, I thought you were being frankly nice. That was the that was like the football. You equivalent up. of your ex tweeting you you up, but yeah. doing it at like eight in the morning, which is a weird time to send you up to somebody. Listen, Seahawks, I did watch. Charles Cross looked great. So did Boy Mafe. Um, we can talk about the quarterbacks later. But the the reason I watched was for Pittsburgh. Um, didn't learn a lot <laughs> after all that. <laughs> uh, I, I my main take, you know, I, I Kenny Pickett um acquitted himself well, but he was that was really sure. like he was playing the the real backup backup backups, um, and and it was not challenged a lot. Um, I thought Mitch Trubisky, that was probably more notable takeaway. You know, he, they, the Seahawks did have some starters in. Boy, could they not tackle, though. Uh, but I thought Trubisky looked pretty good on the move. He, just kind of doing all the stuff you'd expect, rolling out. Um, the offense looking very different, obviously, from how it did under Ben Roethlisberger. And I guess we should start mm-hmm. there because I think the optimistic case for this offense, this team, is that it was so hamstrung by Ben Roethlisberger in his final two seasons that anything is going to be better than that. Yeah, I mean, I th- that's literally the first thing in my notes. And I think the first thing in anybody's notes is going to be, you know, is it just that Ben was so bad that having Mitch Trubisky, even like average Mitch Trubisky performance be a step forward, which is not out of the question. I think for me, what I'm really intrigued by is is sort of what this offense looks like before the snap and what it looks like at the snap when it comes to what Matt Canada is there for. Because Matt Canada was brought into Pittsburgh with this idea that oh, we're going to run this very motion-heavy offense. That's what I'm good at. We're going to create some mismatches and create some advantages for us before the snap and make life easier for our quarterback. And then when you actually watch Ben Roethlisberger play, it looked nothing like that. It looked like a Steelers offense that basically was just a, a, a boring, dismal mess. And... Now with a, a fresh start with Trubisky or Mason Rudolph or Kenny Pickett at quarterback and with Ben Roethlisberger out of the building, you would figure there's now this opportunity to have a very progressive offense. And I don't know if that's going to be the case. It might be a total failure and washout. It might be something that looks like a very traditional offense by week six. But, you know, I think it's not just about the arm strength or, or the ability to throw deep without Ben Roethlisberger, but also just what this offense can do before the snap to make life easier but behind a pretty bad offensive line yeah. for whoever's playing quarterback for the Steelers. I think that's where the optimist case runs into harsh a reality. Bu- a, a, <laughs> bunch of, a bunch of pass rushers. <laughs> a bunch of pass rushers. Um, because Mr. Bisky, as, as mobile as he is, and he, you know, he's very mobile, um, and at, at times he can make some nice deep throws when he is totally comfortable. Oh, for sure. He has always struggled under pressure. He struggles also, I think, on short and intermediate accuracy. Um, and, and this is throwing to the left famously. And yes, he is going to be under pressure a fair amount. I think with this offensive line, which, you know, as much as I mean, it is was undeniably bolstered by Ben's Roethlisberger's lightning quick release. <laughs> um, you know, they go out and they do, they do sign Mason Cole and James Daniels, which I guess should help on the inside. But the tackle sure. situation, you're running it back with Dan Moore Jr. on the left, Chukuma Okafor, who they paid on the right side. Oh, yeah, um, they did. And whether it's Trubisky or Kenny Pickett, who had the longest time to throw of any quarterback 
like in the FBS, I think or something. Wow. I mean, that's not, not true, but yeah. it's definitely of any the draft prospects longer mm-hmm. than Justin Fields, by the way. Um, it's going to be a problem for them. Yeah, for sure. And I mean, we criticized Ben Roethlisberger plenty last year, and he deserved criticism. He was a shell of a man. Uh, behind that offensive line. But like you said, he was getting the ball out as quickly as possible, and that masked a lot of concerns with the offensive line. Ben Roethlisberger, for whatever weaknesses he had by the end of his career, was experienced, had seen plenty of defenses, knew what was coming, which is why you saw him throw the ball on fourth and 10 to Najee Harris within a half second again in the football, because he knew, I'm going to get hit, I have to get this ball out. My concern now is that with a line, like you said, did add James Daniel, did add Mason Cole, which is going to help the interior, but those guys are not superstars by any mean. Uh, Dan Moore ranked last among all tackles in pass block oh. win rate last year. Oh. And it's a second season. Hopefully he'll be better. But you've gone from having this line that was pretty mediocre, that had a quarterback who at least knew what he was doing back there, to quarterbacks who are not exactly all that uh don't have great reputations, I'll say that much, in terms of being able to break down defenses, to understand what's happening, to get the ball out before they're seeing what's happening up front. And and I think that's my concern is that the line, even if it's a little better in the interior, is just going to be so exposed by having a, a much less experienced quarterback behind there, no matter who it is. Yeah, I, I will say, I love this wide receiver group. Yes. Uh, yes. By the way, that was the, the, the weapons in general. Like, like the, yes, I'm excited about Friar Muth and Najee Harris. Najee like, I Harris. think they're all. It's it's a it's a very impressive one through five. Uh, I, I I said there wasn't that much to learn from the Steelers game, but did you see that George Pickens catch the answer? Mm. Oh, did you God. see the George Pickens block? Oh my God! Yes, I did. Uh, he is complete, and yeah, I mean, there go the Steelers again, right? With the, with the wide receivers, <laughs> but it is absurd. I think also. Pickens, whether it's well, I would say actually it depends on the quarterback. If it's Trubisky, I could see Pickens and Claypool being the beneficiaries of that. You know, with the willingness to push the ball downfield a little bit mm-hmm. more. Um, Deontay Johnson, good job getting paid before this season. <laughs> um, <laughs> no, I'm just that's mean. Um, yeah, he's uh, like, well, you know, you know I, 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 he, he's good, but I think also like the stuff he runs. He runs so many slants and so, so many. Yeah, he's running so many stuff off RPOs. Like that stuff that played up. Yeah, yeah, with the Burger, and I think that's the tough part. I actually think if if they go with Pickett at some point, which let's be honest, they probably will at some point, right? He's a first round they quarterback. Um, he is his calling card in college was throwing over the middle of the field with uh, mm-hmm. nice touch and anticipation. And I could see Deontay Johnson, to your point, you know, be who's good on slants and such, um, being more useful in that regard. But it's a great group. We'll see what happens. I think. Um, like I said, their optimistic case is that it is better than that last year because they were so limited in what they could do by the way defense were playing it, playing them. Um, the other case for optimism and the reason why I said at the beginning that the Steelers will just hang in every game is I actually mm-hmm. think this, de- I mean, I think this defense is going to be better than they were last year. Um, really? partially because, yeah, I do because there's just, I, it, there's, mm, they went from having the fifth best run defense in football to the 27th. Oof. I think that the, they make some improvements there. So they brought in Larry Ogunjobi, uh, Tyson Aluelu should be healthy. So right away, that front is going to be better than they were last season. Um, you know, I, Devin Bush was not good last year against the run. Big part of the reason oh, why the Steelers. Did you see? Oh no! Did you see the preseason clip of Devin Bush? No. It it looked like 
he just froze up as a running back ran right by him. Like it looked like he just locked in place, like like his controller had disconnected. He's joined by Miles. But Jack. they have, but they have Miles Jack, and Miles Jack is pretty good. He's fine. He's fine. He's fine. I, but like when you have when you have fans on Twitter. And granted, fans on Twitter say dumb things all the time. But when people are like, we got to get Robert Spillane in there, that's that's concerning. For a guy they traded up for in the first round. I know he got hurt. I know he had an injury. But he just looks, he doesn't look confident out there. And I think that's the big concern is just like, this is the season he has to do it. And if he's not, like that's a such a huge investment for a team that, for whatever we want to say about how good they are at drafting and developing, like they've made a lot of trades up for players that have not been, that have been either they've either matched what they paid up for to get them or they have been disappointing. And I think for a organization that has such a great reputation when it comes to that stuff, like they're active in free agency. They're signing guys like James Daniels and Mason Cole or Miles Jack, where those are positions they would have filled with draft and developed players in the past. And yeah. that is a, that that's the concern for me is just that they're not the flow of talent. You know, we're still seeing some superstars pop out and they're great at receiver, but it's like they have two tricks. We're going to draft outside linebackers really well and receivers really well. <laughs> and everything else is kind of like, mm, well, we'll get by with other, you know, free agents and guys from other teams. And that's the scary part for me with the the Steelers. Yeah, Levi Wallace coming in as starting corner this fine. year. fine. Akella Witherspoon's probably going to start for them. Fine. He was good last year. Um, I mean, he's fine. still Akella Witherspoon. Like, fine. Like he's not going to be a top ten corner, you know. Like that's no. that's the part for me that I think is is the concerning thing. And I think the reason why I'm pessimistic when I look at this defense is I think about the stars. I look at Cameron Hayward, who was incredible last year. And I'm not saying that because he's, he's an ESPN podcaster now. He was awesome. He was like the Football Outsiders Almanac has like a section on Cam Hayward where it's just glowing about his impact last year. He was a phenomenal football player. T.J. Watt had like. 55 sacks he was you know he had was it 20 and a half 22 and a half he had 22 and a half sacks last year and Micah Fitzpatrick did not have one of those crazy takeaway seasons but played for pretty much the entire year started 16 games played at a high level like what are the chances that those three guys the guys who their defense are built around play better in 2022 than they did I in 2021 Fitzpatrick playing better this year, I than could. He did last I think year. Mink is the one guy, but like, is TJ Watt going to have no. 28 sacks? Is Cam Hayward going to be like Aaron Donald? Because that's pretty much all they can do to get better after last year. It's well, it's more likely they get worse than get better. I hear you, but I also think Cam Hayward gets to play with better defensive linemen this year. That's true. So that helps. Um, Watt, you're right. He's not going to probably, more likely than not, is not going to match that record again. But um, I think it's just maybe when I say I think they're going to be. I said they were going to be better, not that they were going to be a great mm-hmm. defense. I just think yes. a lot of stuff went wrong last year. I didn't even notice Devin Bush was playing yesterday. So really good job watching, by the way. Yeah, I bragged about my preparation. The Seahawks were running at will. I assumed it was over backups. Um, but yeah, it's... I, I think the Steelers are, just to kind of put a pin on it, like because I think... I mean, ultimately, like if I take a step back, I did just say both the offense and the defense should be better. And this mm-hmm. team somehow made the playoffs last year. So. Oh, right. They did make the playoffs last year. No. They did. They, right, they got blown up by the Chiefs. Yeah. I, I thought they did make the playoffs yeah, last yeah, year. They, You're they, right. No, it really, the thing that happened actually happened. That's crazy. It's crazy. I, I have no recollection of that game whatsoever. <laughs> it was after, it was like the Ben Roethlisberger, because they, we they did all the Ben Roethlisberger goodbyes beforehand. 
which I oh, think right. it really worked out because it was it was rough. Um, and then that was because the Raiders won. Yeah. Or right? The, um, yeah. Yeah. The That's Raiders crazy. won. I have, I have no recollection of that game. I'm sorry. <laughs> it happened. <laughs> it happened. I, I barely remember it, happened. it as well. The 2021 Pittsburgh Steelers. <laughs> they happened. Um, yeah, I think this i mean this is the thing with the sealers like they're always going to be like kind of competent you know like they're never gonna uh, i i just don't think they're ever under mike tomlin gonna have like a just a total train wreck type season they might miss the playoffs i think the third best team in the division comfortably um mm-hmm. may well it depends on what happens I, with the browns actually it depends who plays quarterback for the browns which we'll talk about momentarily i think i would i think i'd be genuinely sad if mike tomlin's 500 streak came to an end yeah i'm really invested in it for some reason <laughs> What matters more, Mike Tomlin's 500 streak or the Ravens' undefeated preseason streak? Ooh, 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 ooh. For betting purposes, I feel like the Ravens streak is better. I think as a as a team being undefeated in the preseason, that's like a really dangerous thing because then suddenly you're like, oh, maybe we'll just leave him in one more series. You know, okay. I'm sure they don't do that. Let me but... ask you, how how many preseason wins in a row would the Ravens have to have to actually raise a banner? Is it 50? I would raise the banner after a hundred. A hundred? Twenty-five years of of victories. Yes, I would also All raise right. a banner after a hundred. It is officially time to set down our Twitter medical diplomas and to pick up our Twitter law degrees because here come the Cleveland Browns. Um, okay, status update. Again, it is Sunday. Truly, anything could happen at any second with the story. Um, if you've been living under a rock, if you watched, if you listen to this, living under a rock, normal people, it's okay if you don't know. But if you if you listen to this podcast, you should know. John Watson suspended six games. The NFL does decide to appeal. Peter J. Harvey. I feel like people with initials are either Disney stars, um, like lawyers, or serial killers. Like Peter J. Harvey, you could totally see being a serial killer. Definitely not a Disney star. That, Cam that T. I feel like w- with my Twitter law degree, I should say that's a bad idea to say that. Cam T. Bray. <laughs> yeah, we are not slandering Peter J. Harvey on this podcast or like an FBI director from the 50s. But, yes, um, oh, for sure. Definitely FBI that, director. He sounds like that. So anyways, he's going to decide what to do. Um, and I think like, okay, so we know that the NFL wanted uh, indefinite suspension. I think, mm-hmm. but we can comfortably operate from the standpoint right now that it's not likely he's Deshaun Watson is going to play a lot of football this year. Um, just given that the NFL now gets to decide, we know what the NFL wanted, right? So um, yes. whether it's 12 games via, via settlement, a year, indefinite, whatever, um, I, I think we should talk about the Browns as though Deshaun Watson is not playing. Um, although I will say the suspension does matter, I think, in terms of whether or not the Browns are going to do what I'm just about to ask you, which is trade for Jimmy Garoppolo. So right now the starting quarterback is Jacoby Brissett. Um, since 2016, Jacoby Brissett ranks 41st in the NFL in passer rating, 46th in sack ratio, 47th in yards per attempt. Choose your fighter. I could go on. Uh, this team will have to trade for another quarterback if they want to win games. Jimmy Garoppolo seems like the totally obvious fit schematically. He is also the guy who is available. It makes too much sense. 
Yeah, and they're the one team in the NFL who have the cap space to just absorb Jimmy Garoppolo's contract without any other changes. So, I mean, it makes total sense. Jacoby Brissett, like you said, the one thing he does well is not throw interceptions. So you're basically just hoping to play defense, run the hell out of the football, and just not turn the ball over. Which, by the way, that's not like the craziest formula we've ever seen for winning football games. So I wouldn't be shocked if that's what the Browns do go with if it is a six-game suspension. But we've heard. I mean, I I had Jake Trotter, who covers the Browns for us at ESPN on my podcast a couple weeks ago, and he said, you know, I think he might have said almost verbatim that if the suspension is more than six games, the Browns will go out and go after another quarterback. So Jimmy Garoppolo, like you said, I mean, the fit is very logical. The Browns run a very similar offense to what the 49ers run with Kyle Shanahan under Kevin Stefanski in Cleveland. Jimmy Garoppolo, the cap fit makes sense. The salary is not an issue. And Jimmy Garoppolo has every reason to want to go play for the Browns, where it's a basically a one-year opportunity to prove yourself before hitting unrestricted frequency. The Browns have no reason to keep Jimmy Garoppolo around with Deshaun Watson presumably coming back in 2023. So either Jimmy Garoppolo is going to be a backup on the 49ers, he's going to go play somewhere else, or he's going to get the opportunity to play for a very competitive football team in the Cleveland Browns. But Mina, my question for you about this this offense is, I felt like in 2019 and 2020, especially 2020 and 2021, this felt like one of the most complete sets of yeah. talent in football around the quarterback. And now, I it's dicey. can't really say that. It is it's dicey. dicey. Yeah, so and it's I, only getting worse because of all the Watson stuff. I just kind of like haven't really looked at this team in a while. You know what yeah, I mean? I just kind of have. Like, I was just like, I'm just gonna keep putting a pin on this and waiting and yes. waiting and waiting. For sure. Suddenly, I pull up depth chart. Look, still, regardless of what happens with Cream Hunt, it's still an extremely good running backs room with Darnish Johnson, Nick yep. Chubb. This is the most rush, efficient rushing offensive football. But yep. after Amari Cooper, mm. you're looking at Donovan Peoples-Jones as I think the unquestioned number two wide receiver. Yeah. Third round draft pick, David Bell. Anthony Schwartz, the speedster who's never really produced. Um, They kept David Njoku. After him, it's Harrison Bryant. So they paid David and Joku too. They paid David and Joku, right? So many tight ends around the NFL got really mad <laughs> when they saw the David and Joku contract. Such a like bad I'm, I'm not, a- I'm not reporting this. I'm just speculating. Travis Kelsey, like when he got a little bit oh extra money from the Chiefs this year, you know he saw the David he and Joku like contract in. and was like, "Look at me, look at him." Yeah, like is oh confusing. Um. The current starting center is Ethan Posich. So many Seahawks, Seahawks. Seahawks linemen being mentioned on this. Um, folks, no. Uh, you've got Jedrick Wills and Jack Conklin, who have both battled injuries. Conklin especially, yeah. Conklin, Conklin especially. Coming off of a like a torn patella, like, not, like a really bad good. injury. And yeah, I mean, they cut JC Treader. We're going to start Nick Harris. At center, Nick Harris got, got carted hurt. off during the first yeah. game and is done for the you're year. You're such a better host than me. I just skipped over all of that. I was like, Ethan Posich is the center. <laughs> you, 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 you um, see, you see a backup Seahawks lineman. You just get, well, you just get tunnel vision. Not, I understand that. JC Trainer's still out there. Uh, he's uh, would obviously be an upgrade over Ethan Posich, and obviously knows his offense. I think he's kind of waiting to see what the best offer is. Um, I imagine they if they trade for Jimmy Garoppolo and are trying to compete this season, that's something that they would try to make happen. But, you know, it's 
I think we thought of this line as being just like dominant and one of the best yeah. in the NFL and just like this unquestioned machine. And I think that it, it is mm-hmm. definitely open to question now. And I think the wide receiver group is really not great. I mean, uh, you know, behind Cooper, that is whew, not that is touchy. Um, and I mean, on top of that, like is Amari Cooper. Cooper yeah. A, you know, like, like I think I've been a really big Amari Cooper fan in years past. Like when the Raiders traded him, I was one of the very few people who thought, yeah, this is a good trade for the Cowboys. I was luckily right that time, but like his numbers have dropped his yards per round have dropped. His efficiency has dropped. His raw numbers have dropped and he's been on the field, but he's been way less than a hundred percent at times. Like he's a super tough dude, but he, you know, he has been banged up seemingly for most of the last two seasons. So, to me, like, if you're getting the Amari Cooper from 2016, great. The Amari Cooper from 2019, great. If you're getting the Amari Cooper we saw last year, that guy is probably not a number one receiver, and he kind of has to be by default in this offense. Yeah, and especially, I would say, especially if it, I'm not sure he's the best fit with Jimmy Garoppolo either. If you're, again, thinking about this as a Garoppolo led offense and you know you're not really pushing the ball downfield that much you're primarily using the middle of the field um you know i think he he does have that ability to turn some of those short crossing routes into massive yards after the catch but it doesn't seem like the best use of his full skill set um certainly not anthony schwartz uh, no, Anthony Schwartz is just going to be running wind sprints or, I mean, D- uh, in 2022. Uh, DBJ, too. Donovan People jones you know, he's also, I, I think, has that sort of three-level ability. But again, this offense looks very different with Jimmy Garoppolo than it does with Deshaun Watson um, now, or Baker Mayfield, by the way. To, to or that. Baker Mayfield as well. Now, can I, can I throw my first take idea out there for you? Yes. The guy the Browns would fit, who would fit perfectly on this offense right now, is Odell Beckham Jr. If Jimmy Garoppolo is there, that is the exact player the Browns should add to this roster. But I don't think it's going to happen. It'd be funny if it did, though. Don't think that's going to happen. <laughs> Where is he going to sign? It just feels like the Rams Our by hands. default, right? Like, it just feels like, like, yeah. it feels like it, it's you sending letters to your friend you're going to see at summer camp like you know you're going to hang out with them you're just waiting for it to happen <laughs> like with odell it just feels inevitable yeah. i think it would make sense well, for the packers but yeah, i think it's just it feels like it's just going to happen at some the point. packers don't need him they have future hall of famer romeo dubs yeah. dobbs um the rams i think the fact that you know with van jefferson banged up I, you know, he'll come back before obj is even ready but to me it's actually kind of reinforced how much they need obj on this team well remember you know, Last year, like the Rams traded for Odell Beckham thinking he was going to replace Van Jefferson. Like Robert Woods got hurt yeah. right afterwards. It wasn't a response right. to the Woods injury. Well, and then given the Rams, you know, the, they they want to have all the three wide receivers on the field, right? And keep them on the field and go tempo. And right now, without Jefferson, that's an issue. You know, they can kind of replace him by committee. That's what they're doing with Tutu Atwell and Ben Skoranek and catch the Rams preseason, watch future star Lance McCutcheons. But, um, <laughs> OBJ is just the perfect fit, I think, in this, that offense. So it does seem to make a lot of sense. Um, we'll see. Mm-hmm. Um, I think, okay, but let's live in this world where Jimmy Garoppolo is the quarterback of the Browns. They're going to be better than they you. were last season, right? They will be better for sure. What would you trade for Jimmy Garoppolo if you're the Browns? Well, this is where it gets so tricky because the Niners have to cut him. So it's like, how long can you wait this out? You're essentially 
trying to starve the beast. Starve the beast? <laughs> Lay siege to the castle? I've been struggling with the proper metaphor for this, but you know what I'm saying. Everybody knows. I have absolutely is- no idea what that okay. metaphor is. <laughs> okay. The, the 49ers are like yes. a homeowner that is trying to get rid of a mm-hmm. couch and the couch is on the curb and they're trying to sell it. And everyone's like, why would we buy this? It's on the curb. <laughs> does that metaphor work? It does. That makes more we sense to know me. We know there's no competition. No one else wants this couch. I'm the only person in the world who wants this couch right now. Okay, but... Let me present it to you from the the perspective the Niners want you to see it from. <laughs> if they cut Jimmy Garoppolo, Jimmy Garoppolo is going to make what seven, eight million dollars this year, probably. Like most teams don't have a lot of money left. They'll find money for Jimmy Garoppolo, but they're not going. He's not going to make twenty five million dollars. The Niners don't want to pay him twenty five million dollars. But if you're going to make eight nine million dollars, and there's not really any opportunities available besides the Browns, like. Would you stay with the Niners and make nine million dollars to be the backup there, as opposed to no! making nine million dollars no, to be the to Falcons quarterback? No, he wants to play. Okay, he wants to play. He absolutely would go. And the, as you've said, the Browns are the best situation. They can give him some money. Like it's the the only problem I think would have been if the, if the Jets were counter bidders to the beginning of this discussion, or if they realistically believe the Seahawks were going to throw their hats in the ring. And I don't think that's happening. So. This is it's a weird one, right? Because of the timing and the le- the lack of leverage on the part of San Francisco, but they really can wait this out. Um Well, if if there's one other team, that's when it becomes a concern. Right. But there's not. Like there just isn't. What what if Zach Wilson goes under the knife and suddenly he well, they need to repair his miscuse and he's done for the year? Like that? Yeah, this is Or okay. or what happens if Watson's only suspended for 6 games? Well, that's what they've been waiting for. I think, right. but it's gonna, we're going to know like any second now. Stop it. <laughs> just, just, we're going to have that information soon. Um, I, I do think if it was six games, they wouldn't have done the deal, but it's going to be more I agree. probably. So we'll see. Um, defensively, this is a group that looked really good on paper, sucked at the beginning of the season, figured it out. How do you see them this year? Yeah, I am not sure because I feel like <laughs> I feel like it's the DVOA. 11th. Yeah, but they're good. Like, like on yeah. paper, you look at their roster they and you're like, okay, really these are good players. players. But here's my concern: okay. is they feel more dependent to me on Miles Garrett than I think it looks like on paper. Like Jadavian Clowney was very good last year. I think we've established that counting on Jadavian Clowney to be the guy we saw in 2021 is a very risky proposition. I love Chase Vinovich. I don't understand why the Patriots didn't use him more. But like, I I can see a scenario where it's Miles Garrett or Bust up front, and yeah. they lost a bunch on the interior. Another former Seahawk, Malik McDowell left. Malik crop. Jackson's gone. Does, Andrew Billings yeah. left. They signed Taven Bryan, but like that interior of that defensive line is suddenly a little shaky. Like I was expecting them to go out and sign a Sheldon Richardson or an Adam King Sue, and maybe they will sign somebody before the season starts. But that's looking real thin up front, and. You know, I, I don't know if this is like a a Ravens team where I think the secondary could be really good. There's certainly plenty of high draft picks and expensive players there, but I don't know that it's a top five secondary that's going to counter a pass rush that might be really dependent on one guy who's, by the way, incredible, and it's really good to have that one guy, but like I, I think 
I, I can see more scenarios where they're lacking up front than I can see where they're really dominant up front. I really like Winovich as a designated pass rusher. I do not love him as a full time. As just picturing him like like wearing like a patch on his jersey to say I can only come <laughs> on the field if if there's five wide receivers on the field at a time. Um, you know what I mean. But yeah, I, yeah for he's, sure. He's the Patriots didn't death. want to use him because they were they did they he didn't want to use him because they could not stop the run. Yeah, couldn't stop the run. Did I tell you what um, Jalen Ramsey said to me about Taven Bryan? It's not that mean. It's not. I wouldn't say it if it was really mean. No, no Rams preseason commentator, Mina Kimes. You did not tell me what Jalen Ramsey told I, you about. Taven I feel Bryan. like I've, I, I'm constantly referencing the the day I spent with him after the draft, <laughs> Jacksonville, <laughs> or I was in Tennessee. Um, Jalen Ramsey's review of that draft pick. Quote: We could have had Lamar Jackson. <laughs> <Quote>. <laughs> Where is the lie, folks? That's a fact. What an alternate um, history. It, an alternate history of the Jacksonville Jaguars if they had let Jalen Ramsey draft instead of um, Tom Coughlin. <laughs> I just can only imagine Tom Coughlin, what he would have done with Lamar Jackson, can what that you, offense would have looked can like. Can you imagine, though? That was that was when the, the, the defense was sick. It was. It was, and it turns out the offense was sick, too, in a totally different way. <laughs> oh, yeah. Um, yeah, the interior of the, de- the defensive line is the biggest problem on this defense. Uh, yeah. Are you part of the JOK tribe? Oh, yeah. Card carrying. I don't Card care. Carrying. I don't care if he's a tweener. I don't care. He's so fun. He is fun, for sure. Are you gonna, are but you I just like. Hate? Are you about to hate? I'm hating on the archetype, not hating on the player. Like, sometimes these guys don't work out. Sometimes they're Dion Buchanan or they're the. The guy on the Cardinals who's not Isaiah Simmons, the other first round pick from the Cardinals, who they're suddenly like don't want to use anymore. Uh, what's his name? Zayvon Collins. Like, I think you have to be really smart about how you use players like that to get the most out of him. And I think Uwusu uh, Koromoa is really exciting. I think the number of players who can be like him in the NFL are like in the single digits, but I think they have to find the right role. And that could be different from snap to snap. And yeah. The, the Browns are generally pretty smart about how they use their players, but I think they have to really stay on top of that as the season goes on. Yeah, I think uh, if they had like one extra safety, I think I would feel better about it. Um, well, by the way, did we, we didn't even talk about this with the Ravens. I think one of the reasons I like, I, I kind of like lighted up. I was like, eh, the Ravens linebackers, but part of the reason I feel kind of comfortable about mm-hmm. that interior group is that they have all those safeties who can play in the box. For sure. Um, the Browns less so. I, I, but this group is really talented. And I think... I you know they finished 11th in DVOA. I think they're going to be better this season because it really took them a while to put things together, even with some of the aforementioned issues on the front. Um, I just think the secondary is really good. Obviously, they have to stay healthy, but I think you know, with Troy Hill's gone, you're moving Greg Newsom inside. I think that's going to be better for them. Troy Hill was really struggled mm-hmm. last year. Uh, was traded during the draft back to the Rams. That one kind of flew under the radar. But um, I think this is a good. I, I think this should be a good defense, provided that either Clowney or Garrett don't go down. If either of them are out for any meaningful period of time, that is an issue. Um, yeah. Can we talk about the second most controversial thing about the Browns <laughs> offseason? I have no idea what this could be. The analytics friendly Cleveland Browns trade up in the no, draft. No, no. Did they trade up? That's wrong. Actually, that could be wrong. Did they trade up for Katie York? They drafted a kicker in the fourth round, which is 
you're you're gonna lose your analytics card if you do that. Uh, but I don't know if they traded that for Cade York. Let me check. Maybe that's a way of. There's no way they. Did. No, they 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 did not trade up for Cade. Okay, York. but they still drafted a kicker in the fourth round. Yeah, maybe this that's a way of like a cry for help. Like the call is coming <laughs> from inside the house. They're not listening to us anymore. One of their nerds just to say, <laughs> just snuck snuck the kicker card out. I mean, didn't even handle kickoff duties at LSU. Listen. Also, by the way, can we um, totally unrelated, and this show is going long, I'm sorry, but uh, has anyone ever recovered from a disaster better than Jason Light uh, trading up for Roberto Aguayo and then getting Tom Brady and winning the Super Bowl a couple years later? I just texted you. The Bucks don't really get nearly enough shit for Chuck Kyle Trask. I think it was after that <laughs> clip of him went viral, but because they, they've done everything else right, so that is not Buck shade at all. Um, but yeah, that's the thing though—you can get some picks wrong as long as you get everything else right and have Tom Brady. All right, yes, for free. <laughs> no, Tom Brady. Um, yeah, okay, I, oh. I with the Browns. Okay. I, I think this is a obviously it depends on what happens, but if we're assuming they get Garoppolo, I think they are a classic nine and eight team that mm. makes the postseason depending on what happens with the rest of the division it's gonna be so weird if it's a 12 game suspension and Garoppolo plays well what do you, you do i don't know man i don't know and like like if that goes wrong for you and you have deshaun watson for the next four years on guaranteed money and your fans hate you for for making that move like that is a that's what you get fired for that is a everyone gets fired and we made the worst decision of our entire careers well you already did so all right on that note five more questions When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And now it's time for dinks and dunks. I'm getting paid for this, right? Four from me, one from Lenny. I'll go first. Bill, you alluded to Tom Brady. He is out, but nobody knows why. Uh, it's been reported. I think Rick Stry reported it's not a medical thing, so we can joke about it. <laughs> so it's safe. Okay, good. <laughs> what is your best guess as to why Tom Brady is missing? Um, I Be careful. Assume... Be careful. Dan- uh, this be- is dangerous. <laughs> blinking lights as i approach with this bit uh i assume that he is putting together a public apology with every other celebrity who shilled for crypto over the past two years that's a good one like that uh what was the video that got released right after the pandemic started the imagine that, video like, yeah the imagine video it's going to be like that for, for apologizing for making tons of money off crypto ads all i'll say is Uh-oh. i just want to see his hair when he returns that's all just want to see the hairline. Just want to see what it looks this like. Is, a, this is, is it as a, lush? This is a thorny subject. <laughs> thorny lush? subject for some of us on the podcast, Mina. I, uh, Listen. I, I will point out that there is a long Twitter thread about this. If you'd like to get into it, <laughs> send it to me, please. All right. Second question. Um, we got to see a little Jordan Love, who we never get to see in the preseason. I, you didn't watch. That's okay. Um, what do you think is the most likely outcome for young Jordan Love at this point? Ooh, that's a good question. I don't know. I, I feel like. There is technically, 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 technically an out 
in the Jordan Love or in the Aaron Rodgers contract after mm-hmm. this season, where if he decides to go marry the podcast lady he's dating and Blue get tattooed year. more. I'm not going to mention the specific podcast unless I get paid, but sure. Uh, they Some of us have done could research theoretically... into the subject if anyone wants to talk about it. Oh, boy. That's a separate podcast at this point. I, I, I think that Jordan Love has a decent shot at being the Packers quarterback when Aaron Rodgers retires, more so than I thought maybe after that extension happened. But, like, I don't think you can... Did they... they no, his fifth-year option would be coming up after this season, right? Like they'd have to decide after the year. Yes. Wait. So wait. He's he was twenty twenty, right? So twenty twenty. Yes. So twenty one. He would have. They'd be deciding after this after year. After this year, yeah. Like I, I think that's the that's the inflection point. Like if you think Rogers is your guy in twenty twenty three, then you have to just let Jordan Love leave. Like it's just the reality of the situation. It's just it'd be too expensive. But if you aren't going to keep Aaron Rodgers, if Aaron Rodgers retires, I think Jordan loves the guy. So to me, I think mm. he leaves after this year he gets traded for like a third round pick to somebody i think he's like the starter for the atlanta falcons in 2023 no no i don't see the falcons i'm i'm really worried about the falcons our our poor friend charles is going to have a very rough Ritter, year i thought ritter looked good in the preseason you wouldn't know but <laughs> let's let's re- let's revisit that one I, i'm thinking of like like jimmy clausen being good in the preseason about 15 years ago uh, okay question three uh, you had a great article. It's on ESPN Plus. People check it out. Bill tweeted it. It's uh, you identified the Achilles heels for every um, NFL playoff team. So for the Bucks, mm-hmm. you have the offensive line. Robert Hainsey, who is the new center, is banged up. What's the latest on that? I think uh, I they're saying he's going to come back or whatever. Um, but let yeah, me... I don't think it's like a serious injury. Okay, so I wanted to ask you this. Are the Bucks your favorite to represent the NFC in the Super Bowl? Why or why not? Mm, I would say no, because I think that offensive line is a disaster. Disaster! Right maybe they get, get J.C. Treader. They were already starting two new guards. I'm a little suspicious about Bill Belichick trading Shaq Mason for way less than we all thought he should get for Shaq Mason. That's a little concerning to me. Just too many red flags. Belichick... The, the compensation being weird, they need a guard, frankly. Like, their their interior line is not looking great right now. So I was confused by that one. I think the favorites to represent the NFC in the Super Bowl should be... Do you want the spicy one or the, the regular one? What's the regular one? S- regular one, Packers, because okay. their division is so much weaker. They are deep. They're getting back. Hopefully, they'll be back to Harry at some point during the season. I think they're going to be fine. Ooh, I don't know about the spicy. line concerns me there, too, but yeah. It does, but they're like they're so good at just plugging holes. Mm-hmm. Like I, uh, They deserve the benefit of that, of that at this point. Okay. Spicy one. Spicy one was going to be referred to in my column coming up on Monday on ESPN.com as this is released. <laughs> San Francisco 49ers. They have. I'm, I'm on. I'm no, on the trailers. That's, that's, that's the variance pick. That's a great pick for a spicy pick. Totally. And their defense slaps. I love that pick. Yeah. But like the, there's a there's yeah. a universe where Trey Lance is MVP and Matthew Stafford like has eight games before he undergoes elbow surgery mm. and the Niners go like mm. fourteen and three. I, I I like that pick because I think they've uh, they have the upside. I don't know if uh, you know the floor will be there for that offense with. Reliance, we got to see it, obviously, but I think the ceiling is there for sure. Um, really Wait, hold on. Stuff. What's your what's your NFC pick? The Bucks. Okay. 
again, Tom Brady, unexplained absence, please. I'm not kicking against that man. <laughs> he comes back, just <laughs> Do you think lush he's back with like a, a, a bionic arm. <laughs> I'm never picking up against him again. All right. Uh, question four, content recommendation. I'll go first. Uh, okay. This is just books, m- movies, whatever, music, podcasts. I'm reading These mm-hmm. Truths by Jill Lepore. It's um, a history of the United States. It's very critical and investigative, I would say. Um, you probably have read her in The New Yorker. She's a historian. I love her stuff. I'm really enjoying it. It came out a few years ago, but I just started reading it now. Mm-hmm. Um, is it cheating to say the rehearsal? Because I feel like everyone's watching the rehearsal. No. I, I only watched the first episode. This is shocking to me. I feel like anytime there's an HBO show that I find out about, like at the end of the first season, you have already started doing a podcast about it. So this is shocking <laughs> to me that there's like an HBO show that you have not caught Do, up on. Okay. I asked this not having seen any more. Do you feel like ethically concerned about it? Because I know of some course I have... feel ethically concerned about it. There's so many ethical issues yeah. about it, but that is the that that is the sort of charm of it. I mean, it is it it, it feels like it is so concerning and yet so funny at the same time. And just the sheer scope of like what was planned to make it happen is so incredible to me. I also throw out I uh, one of my honeymoon this spring. Also, Aussie rules football. Um, you know, the sport to get into. It's on at like three in the morning on random Fox Sports Channel. <laughs> Highly recommend. Great sport. Also, one more thing I want to point out very briefly, Mina. Mullets are coming. We went to Australia. Like 20 percent <laughs> oh, yeah. of of young men 18 to 30 had mullets so i'm worried for america i think here the young men also have mullets maybe in la maybe in la (laughs) i feel like that might be happening but it's really listen distressing concern the female mullets are coming too oh no (laughs) if tom brady comes back with a mullet we will know (laughs) all right last question as always comes from lenny um lenny says it's interesting to hear that you're recommending the rehearsal. He wants to know why you haven't recommended the TV show you actually like the most, The Vanderpump Rules. <laughs> show yourself. It's true. Um, we have been as a household, of course, Vanderpump Rules is not on right now, so I'm not thinking about it, Lenny, <laughs> but have been working through some of the more recent Real Housewives season. We have not, as a household, started yet on Real Housewives of Dubai. Going to give it some time to simmer, let the relationships develop, as my wife says, before we commit to watching a ROHD season, but plenty of Bravo to get to here in 2022, Lenny. I totally understand. 